This week's parsha is parsha's Chayis There's halacha in Yerodeya in Simon Shin Dalid Mem Siv Cotton Vav, which says as follows: Kishem Shemaspidim Al Hanoshim, Kach Maspidim Al Hanoshim. There's halacha when it comes to giving a hesped, the same way that a man gives a hesped for another man who dies. So too, a man gives a hesped for a woman who dies. That's halacha. The Neisekelim and Shulchan Aruch bring from Ramban in Paris Adam and in the Bir Hagra also, where do you see this, that a man gives a hesped for a woman? A Gemara in Megillah. The Gemara in Megillah and Chavchesav and Aleph says, Raphram Safte Lakalse. Raphram, one of the Amiram, gave a hesped for his daughter in law. So we see from there that a man gives a hesped for a woman. What's the question? Why do you have to go to Mesechus Megillah? To Raphram, this week's parasha is Chayesara. Avram Avinu comes and gives a hesped for his wife. Why do you have to come on to some Gemara and Megillah when you have a Pasuk in Chumash? So the Teretimimah asks this question and the Teretimimah says that perhaps the Hesped that one Rachman and gives for his wife is not the Geder Hesped. To bring a Raya that you could give a hesped from a woman, you have to go somewhere else, not your wife. Because when a person gives a hesped for a, a wife, that's not really a classical hesped. When we speak about a hesped, a hesped is something that has an introduction, it has a body, it has a conclusion, there's a structure to it, like a regular speech, like a regular drasha. There has to be a, a certain element of that it works that there's a symmetry and that it flows and that there's some connection, there's some logic. But when it comes to being masked a wife, because it's such a close relationship, so when a husband is masked his wife, that's not the gather husband. When Avraham Avinu came, lispite l'sarval of kaisa, that does not have a din husband. That's just, it's just an outpouring of raw emotion. That's what it is. But that's not a classical aspect. That would not be a maramakim. That would not be a makar for this halacha and shulchan aruch that a person is masked, a man is masked, a woman. You can't bring rayas from Avram and Sarah because that's a husband and a wife. And the Gemara in Sanhedrin says, and that kafez, ein isha mesa ela which means that when a wife dies, she might have a lot of friends, she might have a lot of children, she might have parents, but the main crushing blow of the death of a woman is on her husband. Her husband is the one that really feels the pain most acutely. And so this is something that is not together hesped, it's something totally different, because there is such a, an emotional, raw outburst of emotion when a, when a spouse dies that that is not even characterized as a husband.
Where do we know this from? Where do we know that when a woman dies, it's all on the man? The husband suffers such a great blow when a woman dies. And likewise, the Gemara Chazal teach us that when a husband dies, the major blow is on the wife. Where do we know this from? So the Gemara in Sanhedrin that I quoted before says that we learn that a man's death is primarily on a woman is from a Pasuk in Rus. Vayamas Elimelech Ish Naami. Elimelech died. Who was Elimelech? Ish Naami. He was the husband of Naami. We know that already. And the Gemara Darshans from here we see that Ein Isha Meis, Ein Ish Meis Ela Leishtai. When Elimelech died, it was Ish Naami. It was the husband of, of, of Naami. That's who suffered the major, the major blow. How do we know that when a woman dies, it's the blow of the husband, the husband becomes like completely lost from this? Because the Pasuk says by Yaakov Avinu, by Yaakov Avinu it says that Yaakov tells Yosef, tells Yosef, Rachel. Rachel died on me. And Chazal and Rus Rabbah is marich a little bit that Alai misasa shal Rachel. Amar Yaakov Avinu v'kasha alai misasa shal Rachel mikal tzaris abayis alai. Yaakov Avinu was no stranger to tzar. Yaakov Avinu's whole life was one string of tzara after tzara, whether it's with Yosef, whether it's with Dina, whether it's with going down to Mitzrayim, all of the different nisyanes and terrible tzaras that, that Yaakov Avinu had to endure. But of all of the tzaras, says Chazal, Based on this pasuk, Mesa Alai Rachel, the most formidable challenge that I had in life was when Rachel Imenu died. When a wife dies to a husband, when a, a loving, good, caring wife dies, her husband is inconsolable. And the same is true the other way. When a good, proper wife dies, the, the, when, a, when a good, proper husband dies, that is a blow for the wife that she can't really endure. It bothered me. Why of all of the people to die in Tanakh, do Chazal Darshan, or does the Torah really, the Torah's Merame, specifically by these two personalities, by Naomi and by Yaakov Avinu, that when their spouses died, it was the end. It was like Ein Ish Meisel LaYishtai, Ein Isha Meisel LaBaila. Why of all? Why does it say by Avram Avinu that it was a crushing loss to Avram Avinu? Why not be Machadish here that Ein Ish Meisel El LaBaila? And why not by other people? Yitzchak died, Rivka died, and throughout Tanakh everybody dies at one point. Yosef dies. It doesn't. It's not Merami's. By all other people in, in Tanakh, it seems, this Indian of how crushing a loss it is when one Rachman son loses his spouse. It's specific to Naomi and Sefer Rus, Megillus Rus, and to Yaakov Avinu in, in Sefer Bereshus.
And what I wanted to say to suggest what makes these two personalities very unique to teach us this lesson is that there's another fascinating chazal, and that is in two weeks from now, Vayetze Yaakov Iver Shaba. Yaakov leaves Ver Shaba. What does Rashi say on Vayetze Yaakov Iver Shaba? That when the Yitziah of a tzaddik has a Rosham. When a, a tzaddik leaves a city, it's Nikaris Vaisu If a regular person leaves town, it's not a big deal. Somebody moves, somebody takes a vacation, nobody really cares. But when a tzaddik leaves a city, let's say, for some, let's say Rabchaim Tanievsky would decide all of a sudden to move to, uh, to move to Ashdod from Bnei Brak. Can you imagine what that would do to Bnei Brak? It would be the entire city of Bnei Brak would just shut down. Rabchaim Tanievsky is the light of Bnei Brak. He is the, he is the entire, the entire beauty of Bnei Brak was, 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 is Rabchaim Tanievsky. Who should live and be well? When a tzaddik leaves a city, there's no Beersheba anymore. Beersheba basically might as well just declare bankruptcy. Go chapter 11. There's no Beersheba. Says Chazal. As long as the tzaddik is in the city, he is the ziv, he is the glory, he is the shine, the entire veneer, the beauty of the city is the tzaddik. But when a tzaddik leaves the city, then pana ziva, pana adara, pana shvacha shalir, there's nothing left of the city. The city is just basically, it's just blank, it's not even a city anymore. Because a tzaddik's existence, a tzaddik's presence in a city is nikaris vaisarashim. We find a very similar chazal when it comes to Naomi. It says, "Vatetzim in Amakim at the beginning of Megillas Rus, Lama Nemar Harikvar Nemar Vatesh She left Steimayev. Why does he have to say Vatetzim in Amakim? Elamagid she sees Sadik mina Yerni Karis Vaisuvesh. Exactly the same chazal when Naomi leaves town." When she leaves Seymayav, there was no city anymore. The entire beauty of the city was riding on the shoulders of Naomi. And when Naomi left that city, when she left Seymayav, there was nothing out, there was nothing left. The Ziv and the Hadar and the Shmacha Shoir was completely gone. She left and that was it. She might as well turn the lights out in the city on the way out because there's nothing left. What do we see from these Chazalim? We see how remarkable, how special, how extraordinary, all personalities in, in, in Tanakh are extraordinary. But obviously there was something very unique about Yaakov and about Naomi. That these were people that when they left, they, are, they were such high wattage individuals, they were such spiritual celebrities, if you will, for lack of a better word, that their tzidkos was shining. It was an aura. It was like a, a beacon of light. And when they left, there was nothing. When they left, the mamash took the entire beauty of the city with them. And yet, 
you find that when these two individuals lost their spouse, they had nothing. You would think that a regular person, let's say a farmer, who has really no covet, no gadula, he basically works day and night, and he comes home, and his wife prepares him a soup, and it's uh, you know a main dish, and a dessert, and she makes him feel good about himself, and she's his wife. And so when she dies, we understand that it's crushing for him. Now he doesn't have somebody to, to share time with, to have companionship, to have a supper, to light the fireplace, to, to make his bed, to, to sweep the floors, or vice versa. If a, if a husband dies and he was the breadwinner and he was, and he was her support system and he was the, you know, his, her, her, her savior and her everything, so when he dies, it's a crushing blow to a woman. Well, let's say there was a person that was a, a superstar. Let's say a person that was so great that the entire world needed that person. The entire world knew of that person. The entire world understood that there was something magnificent about this person. You would think that when that person's spouse died, it's not such a big blow for him because he's like a self illuminating lamp. He could do it on his own. He's, he's self-sufficient. The whole world is Nizayim for him. The whole world needs him, knows him, loves him, adores him. He has celebrity wherever he goes. He's amazing. She's amazing. Do you think that somebody like that, if his spouse dies, that, you know, it's such a big loss? He has, you know, he has many other shidduchim coming to him, he's got many other opportunities, he's got, uh, he's wealthy, he can hire people to cook for him, to clean for him, it's not a big loss for him. But yet we see from this chazal that regardless of who you are, you might be the greatest tzaddik ever. But when a, a spouse dies, as great as you are, you're still nothing as soon as your spouse dies. Allah Misasa, the Misa of Rachel to Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu was the greatest personality perhaps ever. He needed a spouse. He needed Rachel Imenu. Yeah. When Rachel Imenu died, it was Ein Isha Mesa El Labayla. He suffered such a loss that whatever he was was completely in her chos. He had nothing when she died. Elimelech, when he died, you would think Nami could stand it. She could be without Elimelech. Who was Elimelech? Was punished. Elimelech was a god Adar, but he did something wrong and he was punished for it. He left to Chutzlaretz. Should have stayed in Eretz Yisrael. Chazal are very strict with Elimelech. And she was a woman that when she left from one city to another, the whole world knew about her. It's hard to imagine such a personality today, but maybe uh, it's like a Sarah Schneer, somebody that mamish changed the face of, of the world as we know it. Does she need, Naomi needs a husband, and if he dies, look, she could go on, she moves on. She's a tzaddik, it's Gemura, she has so much. No. When Elimelech died, Ein Ishmeis El Ishtar. She was, she was devastated. All of her fame and all of her glory was really worthless to her. Without a spouse, it was nothing. That's where Chazal teaches this important lesson about the value of a good spouse. 
regular people, it's not such a chiddish, that we know. But people that are great, people that are, are, are world famous, okay? They could live, they'll, they'll survive. They're tzaddik and mumum, the whole world is, is niza and bishvilam. We see specifically by these two personalities, by Yaakov and by Naomi, that when their spouses died, even though that they themselves, when they left the city, it was panaziva, panadar, panakbait, everything was gone. They were so great themselves, but when their spouse died, it was all, it was all over. That's the power of a good spouse. That's the power of a good husband to a wife and a good wife to a husband. I wanted to share with you a few, a few examples of this throughout history where you find that, that when a, a wife dies, as great as the husband is, it's like a crushing blow. And you're, it's surprising. Who do we have greater amongst the Afrainim than Rabbi Kivager? Rabbi Kivager is the gold standard of Lumdus. His Chuba Svarim is like on a, on a league of its own. His Lumdus a league of its own. His Kedushim Anshas. His Hagais and Shulchan Aruch. His Hagais and the Gilean Anshas. Kibbeger is in a, in a league of his own. I think everybody could agree to that. And you would think that the genius of Kibbeger, the fame of Kibbeger, the celebrity of Kibbeger, the Anivas of the Midas, whatever, Kibbeger had everything. The Rav of Posen. His son-in-law was a chassam seifer. He had a malucha, he had a dynasty. Your son-in-law was a chassam seifer. Your grandson's a ksab seifer. And a shimon seifer. Your great-grand... You know, it goes on and on. Kivager is amazing. Kivager is everything. And Rabbi Kivager, when his wife died, you would think, okay, you know, he gets rid of them out with the old, in with the new, let's get another wife, let's continue our, our, our mission to spread Taira and, and, and Lumdus throughout the world. Rabbi Kivager lost his wife, and shortly thereafter he got a letter in the mail from two friends of his. We know the names of the friends of David Pollock and of Zechariah Mendel. Two friends of his. And they write him a letter consoling him over his wife and also adding that, by the way, we have a great idea for you for a shidduch. You know, today, uh, it's not nice to say, but I, I've heard stories about when husbands are sitting shiv over their wives that at the shiva itself, people come and start reading shidduchim. It's disgusting. But that's, you know, that, that's, it's unfortunately, I hear it's done. I don't know firsthand, but I hear it's done. So these people, it wasn't during the Shiva, but shortly thereafter, they, he got a letter from his friends suggesting a new Shidduch. And Kivager gets very upset at them in the letter that we have that he returns to them. And I'll read to you some of the lines that he says. Do you consider me tough and heartless that I should run to remarry during my period of mourning? Shall I forget the beloved of my youth, the Abbas Nurayev, my pure dove, with whom God favored me? Hashem enabled us to raise outstanding children, offspring, offspring blessed by Hashem, whose lives He should make long and prosperous. 
She raised the children to study Torah and to fear Hashem. She assisted me in attaining the precious little divine Torah within me. And Nevis of Kiveger. And as I elaborated upon in my eulogy, she protected me, looking after my weak and frail body. It is only now that I see and realize the extent to which she shielded me from worries of livelihood so as not to distract me from my service of God. Meaning she was watching all, she was in charge of the Parnassa, she was in charge of the bookkeeping in the house. She knew how bad, I guess, their financial situation was, how, how in, the, in the red they were, but she didn't tell anything to Rabbi Vega because she wanted to protect him so that he wouldn't be distracted from his learning. Only after she died was he able to look at the books and say, whoa, I didn't realize that we were in such bad financial trouble. But the point is that he saw how great she was. Together, in joy and in happiness, we escorted a son and a daughter to the chuppah. Now that she has returned to her father's home in her youth, meaning she's died, she shall eat from the bread of her father, with a capital F. From the fruit of her deeds she will be satisfied with pleasure and with comfort. I, on the other hand, am left bereaved, afflicted, and stricken, a broken vessel, my hands weighed down with agony. Who will lead my flock? With whom can I discuss my problems and find relief from them? Who will watch over me and care for me? How can I forget my right hand? How can I give rest to my eyes that shift right and left? I have no help. Which mortal knows better than I of her righteousness and modesty? Many times, he writes, I engage in discussions with her in matters of Yerushalayim until the midnight hour. You can imagine Rav Kiveger schmoozing with his wife late at night about Yerushalayim, about Musar. That's Rav Kiveger's Chavrusa. Kiveger's Chavrusa was his wife. As you can understand from this letter, my loss is as vast as the sea. I have suffered a mortal blow. My world is blackened and all happiness and joy have been halted. God is righteous. All his paths are just. May her soul be bound in the bond of life. May her merit sustain my offspring and me. This is the letter of Kiveger to his friends who tried to read a Meshitah. By the way, just as an interesting historical footnote, the woman who they tried to read him, he ended up marrying. But what we gain from this letter is exactly what we're talking about this morning. That when you have great people, people like Kivager, you would think that Kivager doesn't even need a wife. Kivager has the whole world. What doesn't Kivager have? The whole world knew him. The, every Godel in the world was Kareel Mishtachad They understood that he was the Godel Adar. His Svarim were Neskabel B'chaltwutzas Yisrael and Kivager was Reb Kivager. And you would think that he doesn't need a wife like, like you and I need a wife. He's Reb Kivager. He could exist just on Rashi, Tysus, and the Rashba. That's all he needs. But you see from the, the letter how intimate their relationship was and how when she died it wasn't just business as usual. He suffered a mortal blow. He says, I can't live without her. And I can't, I'm in a state of mourning, I'm in a state of shock. 
I have a good friend that told me after this, this letter is, of course, in great Jewish letters. And I have a close friend who told me that when, this, when he got the Sefer, he says this was the letter that impressed him the most. And he said that he doesn't think that Shakespeare, you know, excuse the, this, this, what he, he, it's not my quote, he told me this, but I think he's right, that Lahabdil Elif Alfe Abdullah Shakespeare cannot touch the beauty of the words of Urkivega. All of the, the many sonnets and, and, and writings of Shakespeare about love and about romance, it's all Shtusim Ha'abolim. Connected one letter of Kibbeger that he gives us a glimpse into his relationship, his pure relationship with his Aisha Sayo. There are many other G'daylam. Rebchaim Shmulevitz wrote a letter to Shmuel Rizovsky after he suffered the loss of his wife. A very short letter. He says, this is the letter. Short letter. In order to console, to comfort somebody that's going through pain, you have to be able to associate with the pain of your friend. But since we've learned that a woman only dies for her husband, that's the Gemara we keep quoting in Sanhedrin, there is no one that can really adequately identify with a husband who lost his wife because that pain is on a different level and you can't relate. If you can't relate, you can't comfort. Man can't comfort another man when he loses his wife. There's only one being in the world that can really fathom the loss of a wife, and that's the Rabbi Hamakim, the omnipresent one. The That's why the only bracha that we could say to an Avil is Hamakim, because we can't really understand the frat when you lose a wife, a husband, you can't explain, you can't express any words of comfort that will really sit well with a person because it's indescribable. The level of loss and only the Rabbi Shalom can really understand it and give comfort to it. I remember when Rukhaim Kanievsky lost his wife. It was a very shocking loss because I, she wasn't sick that, that I know of and you know she was such a she herself was one of these you know, women that the whole world lived on. But when she died, when Rebetzin Kanievsky died, it was like a very big shock. No one expected it. And Reb Chaim Kanievsky, I remember, you know, you think Reb Chaim Kanievsky, Reb Chaim Kanievsky, okay, so he has his Gemara. But I remember seeing pictures of him after she died, and you see his eyes are like red and bloodshot, and there's tears coming out of them. It's a very hard thing to understand as Bafram and Bakule, but it's it's that's the reality. If a person marries a woman that's a real good wife and supportive and you can you can talk to one another, you can relate to one another, you help one another through good times, bad times, then that's a loss that's irreparable. And as great as you are, you speak about the Dalai Island, we're speaking about about people like 
a Yaakov Avinu who lost his wife, about a Naomi who lost her husband, from Kiba Eger, from Shmuel Rizovsky, from Chaim Kanievsky. These are people that the whole world lives on. But when they lost their husbands or their wives, it was, it was their world was destroyed. There's a story that's told about the, um, the Satma Rebbe. The Satma Rebbe was a, a person, again, he was the strongest man in the universe. There's a famous story about how he was, uh, he was by a meeting together with Rav Hutner, and, and it was like a meeting of G'dayli Yisrael. They were discussing a certain topic, and I think he had just come over from Europe. He had just escaped the war, the Satma Rebbe. He was a lion. He was fierce. And somebody said something at the meeting suggesting a certain mahalach and approach to, to tackle a certain very thorny issue. And it was sort of like the Sam Rebbe felt it was, uh, it was sort of weak and it, was, uh, it wasn't the proper, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the way to do things. It was like more of a cop-out than, to, than, than doing it the right way. And so the Sam Rebbe starts saying that's, you know, terrible that mahalach that you're suggesting we have to do it all the way, you can't go half measure, you have to mamish you know, and this gadol who had this, this other rub who had mentioned the idea, he started like rebuking the Samar Rebbe, he says you don't know, you're, you know, you can't come here you don't know how it works in America, you have to be more moderate here, you have to tone things down you can't be so, so fiery here, doesn't, doesn't wash well in America Rav Hutner was at the meeting and Rav Hutner stands up and he says, I am making a machah for Kavad Atayra. He was speaking against this detractor of the Satma Rebbe. And he says that Nayak, when he was on the table, Vayishar Ach Nayak, he fed the lion a few minutes late, and the lion bit his hand. Vayishar Ach Nayak, that pain, the Ach, was what Nayak got from the lion. He bit his hand. So everybody asks, well, why, what the, you can't, look, so he got his supper a few minutes late. That, for that, you deserve to, Nayef deserves to get bitten. So Rapunna says that when you are dealing with a let's the leb, the let's the leb is, is the, the last lion in the world. That was the lion on the boat. The lion is the king of the jungle. If you're dealing with the last lion left in the world, you have to bring him supper on time. You have to treat him properly. And Rapunna said that the Satmarebbe is the last lion in the world. And you don't speak that way to the last lion in the world. That's who the Satmarebbe The Satmarebbe was a, he was a lion. He was an angel and a lion all wrapped up in one. If you ever see a picture of a Satmarebbe, he looked angelic. There's no other way to describe him. But he controlled thousands of Hasidim. He was powerful beyond anyone's imagination. He could just mention something and it would happen he was a uh, Tamar Chacham of, of brilliance. He is Svarim, he's a Bucky and Shas and Paiskim. Everything, he had everything basically. A Hasidah, the largest Hasidah in the world. So once upon a time, the Rosh HaKal, the head of the Satmar community, a lay leader, happened to be in the Satmar Rebbe's house um, when this incident occurred. So he was sort of just like a fly on the wall during the following event. The, it was Erev Shabbos like today. And the Samarebbe was um, coming into, a, into his living room, and he notices that the Rebbetzin was setting up her Shabbos candles on the Friday night table in the house. And he says, 
Why are you setting up the candlelight, the candles in the house? You know that I'm giving a very big tish tonight, as as Hasidic Hasidic do pretty much every Friday night. They give a very large tish, thousands of Hasidim sapner, and that's where the Rebbetzin lights the candles on the table in the base medrash for a tish with a tablecloth and everything is at the. The Rebbe's tish, the Rebbe's Friday night meal is in the base matter. So she says, no, 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 there's no tish tonight. She says, what do you mean there's no tish? She says, I, I, I have a whole delegation of Hasidim that flew in from Antwerp and from London just to come to the tish this Shabbos. They're in Williamsburg for Shabbos, they came just for this. She says, I know. And there's going to be thousands of Hasidim, they're going to be very disappointed, but you're not going out tonight. She says, well, why not? Is because you were sick this week, you had a bad cold, and I don't want you getting worse, and I'm not letting you go and walk to shul and give a tish, and this and that, you're not, it's not happening. He says, it is happening. What do you mean it's not happening? I'm not giving up my tish because I had a little cold. She says, oh yes, and this, this Rosh call was like in the corner, just like trying to like, you know, dig his way deeper into the wall, and uh, you know, he wanted to see though how this would play out. It's very interesting, because and it was back and forth, back and forth. And in the end, the Satma Rebbe was Mavatri. He says, fine, light here. I'm, I'm not going out tonight. The Hasidim will have to be disappointed. There's no tish. We'll put up a message. There's no, no tish. There's no... Uh... And the Rosh Hakol almost fainted. Because the Rosh Hakol knew the Satma Rebbe. He didn't, get, he didn't budge an iota the Satma Rebbe about anything. About anything. He fought tooth and nail every inch of land. He was not a person that retreated for anyone. And all of a sudden, the strongest man in the world is being told what to do by this little Pitzler Rebetzin, by a, by a, by a, by a weak Rebetzin. That's who's controlling the Satma Rebbe. And the Satma Rebbe notices now the Rosh HaKal was in the corner the whole time. And he sees like the, the look of shock on his face, and he hops already what, what's going on in this Russia call's mind after this feat. So he said to him, he said, I want you to know, he said, I know you're probably surprised that I am folding and I am uh, I, I'm giving in to my Rebbitson. He says, You should know that when it comes to marriage, when it comes to Shalom Bayas, the main thing is Vitor. Vitor is the main thing. You have to just keep on giving in and giving in and giving in. Rav famously said when asked, what's, what's the secret to Shalom Bayez? He had a legendary, wonderful marriage. What's the secret to Shalom Bayez? There's three secrets to Shalom Bayez. Three things. And everybody, whenever I say this at a, at a chasen shmooz, before a guy gets married and they ask me to give him a chasen shmooz, I, uh, you know, they're right away p- pulling out their pen. They're waiting for the secret. The three, three secrets of Rav to a perfect marriage. He says... Number one, vitor. You have to be mavater. Secret number two, vitor. You have to be mavater. And secret number three is vitor. That's it. If you got that straight, then you're going to be a good husband. Because a lot of times in marriage, you have to just keep on being mavater. And you think that you're losing. You think, well, I don't want to lose. I don't want to win. But when you lose, you win. And when you win, you lose. If you want to win the fight, you're going to be the loser at the end. If you want to lose the fight, that's when you win. And the Samarabba says that I'm not the loser here. 
you think that I'm a loser. You thought that I budged and I gave in. I capitulated. I won. Because when it comes to marriage, if you're a mevater, you're the winner. Hamavater hu And I love this story on so many levels. But as far as we're concerned, in the context of today's shmuz, I think it's obvious what the lesson is. The Satma Rebbe was the king of the world. He was the last lion. He could have easily said to his Rebbe, said, well, you know, okay, light here, but I'm going. But the, as great as the Satma Rebbe was, he understood the Chayel, how great his wife was. That without his wife, he has nothing. A man is only as good as his wife. If you have a good wife, then you could do whatever you want. If you're happy, if she's happy, you could, you could go to the moon and back. If you don't have a, a happy relationship, if you don't have a good, solid shalom bias, then everything you do is going to be always bad. Your whole life, it's not going to be geshmaka life. And this is why, when we're discussing in Parashat Chayetara, these inyanim of Ayavay, Avram, you learn from the patira of somebody how important it is to live a certain way. Notice that the parsha is not called Misasara, even though that's really what it's talking about. It's called Chayesara. Because what we're supposed to do is, aliba, you're supposed to learn lessons that when you see people and how they are crushed after the patira of their spouse, we have to appreciate our spouse, Bechayel. And if we see people like Avraham Avinu, who was, who, the great Avram Avinu, he cried over the Misa of Sarah. The great Yaakov Avinu, Rachel, the whole world was, was crushed when Rachel died. These are people that are phenomenal, of phenomenal stature. And without a spouse, they were basically obliterated. And I know that we're talking at least here, not in Tarani time, but the Eilam here is primarily Bachrim, and so maybe you think that this Shmuz is really not Negeyu, because you're not married, but oh boy is it Negeyu, because in the next few years in Mitzvah Hashem, if not sooner, you will be married Mitzvah Hashem, and it's important now to begin to think and understand how important it is to find a woman when you're starting to look that has all of these critical criteria that will be a wife that will be supportive and, and happy and, and, and proud to be your wife and that you could be that type of spouse back to her. All the other things that Bachram looked for in Shidduchim, looks and money and, uh, you know, yichus or, uh, you know, this, personality, you know, a lot of it is somewhat important but very little of it really endures the test of time. The only thing that endures the test of time is if you find a person that has your shamayim and that's normal, that's 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 good nature, that has a taivas ayin, that just is a, a wonderfully supportive, proud, happy, normal person. That's what you need. All the other things are not really important, especially not when they sometimes come at a great cost. The Hesper that Avram Avinu gave 
for Sarah, we actually have a, a transcript of it, believe it or not. What's the transcript of the Hesped that Avram Avinu gave? Eishas Chayel. The Medrash says that Eishas Chayel that we're going to sing tonight, which is actually the last parak of Sefer Mishlei, is the transcript of the Hesped that Avram Avinu gave for Sarah. And how great Sarah was and how he recognized her beauty and how, how fine she was. And all the psukim, you could darshan one after another about Sarah Imenu, but the ultimate pasuk is, Sheker Achein, the Hevela Yaifi, Isha Yiras Hashem The main thing to look for in a girl is Yerushalayim. She's from, she's sincere, she's genuine, she's tamimistic. And when a person finds that in a wife, he's a happy man. He's a, a man that could live his life with a, with a proper foundation, with a proper support system. And that's the main thing, I think, that we should take from this parasha of, of, of Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah. If we can figure out how Abraham Avinu found such a, a wife and how he lived his life with all of these great relationships with, with Sarah Menu, all these experiences that they shared as is spoken about, in Chayel, then we could follow suit and in our own lifetime we'll be able to Hashem, find also suitable wives for ourselves in order that we should make sure that our entire life is on the proper path and Amitzah Hashem we will go Mechayel El Chayel have a good Shabbos